0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to take us to a moment in time that some of you have probably lived, others of you, this is kind of a new experience, so I want to describe it to you a little bit. Uh, So if you remember uh, back in the day, which coincidentally was a Wednesday normally, uh, back in the day, there were these giant... Boxes, metal boxes that had a glass front. And inside, it was filled with candy and other treats. These were called vending machines. Any you guys remember vending machines? Yeah, they, they still exist, but they're not everywhere like they used to. See, and, and, and a, a vending machine, again, before they were card activated or I don't know, you, now you can probably just look at it and it knows what you want and it charges your Amazon account or whatever. But you, 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 had, to, you had to have the most crisp dollar bill ever, ever invented straight from the mint in Denver. And it, you, you would put it in the slot and then you would look through and you'd pick you know, whichever treat you wanted and you had to press the buttons that corresponded to that. You put in your money and you press go And what happens? The thing magically swivels and then uh, your treat falls down and then you have to reach your hand, uh, you know, without looking at the bottom and and hoping that the right thing was in there. So what I wanna take you to, that's just a a update for anyone born after the year 2000 for what vending machines are. Uh, But I wanna take you to that moment where you're at the vending machine You've put your money in. You've pressed the buttons. And all of a sudden, it stops. Now, what are the emotions? What are you feeling in that moment? Right, You're feeling anger because I deserve this. I put in the right stuff. I pressed the right buttons. And so I should get out the thing that I deserved. And sometimes it starts going and then it gets stuck. And so you have to you know, you have to pull a Fonzie and just knock the end of it and hope that your, uh, your thing comes down without shattering the glass. You know, but that, that, that frustration of, no, I put in the right stuff. Why am I not getting what I deserve? That's the moment that I want us to think about because I think oftentimes that exemplifies our prayer lives. So, God, I, I prayed the right things. I've done the right things. You know, I, I said in Jesus' name, and I, and I, I asked nicely, and I, and I kept asking. And, and look at all the good things I've done. God, why won't you give me what I want? Because oftentimes, our, our prayer can be reduced to simply asking. And so we treat God as if He's just this vending machine where He has all these options of things we could get depending on how good we are. And as long as I keep asking, as long as I put in the right stuff, I will get out what I want. And what ends up happening is we end up extremely frustrated. See, when our prayer is reduced to only asking, we end up disappointed. We end up angry. Uh, we end up re- with resentment towards God. Now, this is not to say we aren't to ask for things in prayer. No, God invites us very clearly. Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus uh, says that, that our Heavenly Father takes care of us more than even the birds of the air or the lilies of the field because we're more valuable than they. No, we're meant to ask for whatever it is that's on our hearts, but prayer cannot stop there. Because a prayer that only involves asking God for what we think we need Is a prayer that turns God into simply a vending machine. And I don't know about about you, but I don't really want to worship a vending machine. Uh, There's a reason they kind of don't exist anymore. And so our prayers need to be expanded. And oftentimes, whenever my view of God or, or, or a specific part of my relationship with Him is too small what helps is to go to His Word because what His Word does, rather than shrink our view of God, God's Word expands us to see God in the glory that He truly is. So in your your Bibles, I encourage you to open up to Psalm 13. You can use the pew Bible in front of you or if you've got access to the Word in some other form. Psalm 13. This one is in the hymnal, by the way. Last week's was not. You could use the hymnal uh, as, as well, if you wanted to. Psalm 13. Because what Psalm 13 does is it, it provides a way for us to see prayer as more than just asking for something. And it's important to note the way Psalm 13 does this because what, what the psalmist, what David is asking for, is pretty important. It's pretty big. It, it's crucial Will you forget me forever? How long, O Lord? Those are big things that he's asking for. And so as we look through this psalm, again, it's a short psalm, just six verses. What it does is it provides us a framework for how is prayer more than just asking for what I think I need. Psalm 13 actually leads us into where we find that prayer expands our view of who God is. Because here's the thing, when when we're frustrated, when we're angry, when whatever it is we're asking for, we're convinced this is what will satisfy me, what we need God to do is to zoom us out from that narrow image of saying, I can ask for that, but ultimately that's not nearly as large in my life as how I think it is. That's one of the reasons God gives us prayer. Prayer doesn't change God, prayer changes us. One of the things that it does is it expands our view of who God is. So notice verse 1. The psalm, the prayer, this form of prayer begins by addressing God. How long, O Lord? We begin by recognizing who we're talking to. There's an address to God. And sometimes these psalms say more about who this God is say more about who we're praying to. This one is just the the divine name, the name of God that He has told them to say, O Lord. And then there is a a complaint uh, or a a charge oftentimes that is brought against uh, against God. Again, we talked about this last week, that God can handle it. (laughs) The issue is that we can't. And so David, instead of holding on to this, he brings out... This, uh, this charge, this complaint. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? David takes his circumstances and he brings it before the Lord. The next part of the prayer where, where this moves us to is he asks. He, he presents his request before God. Is, uh, God, here's who you are. Here's the situation. And, and here's, what I would, here, here's, here's my need. Here's what I would like you uh, to do. But notice he doesn't start with, uh, here's what I'm asking for. He talks uh, to God relationally. God, here's what's going on. He doesn't start in the middle of the story. He says, God, here's what's going on. Here's what I would like you to do. This is verse 3. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. In Jesus' name, amen. That's how we would normally end the prayer. I ask God for what I want. I put in the buttons. Now, let the blessing fall, I can reach down in the vending machine, grab it, and go on my way. But that's not what the psalm invites us to. See, David is dealing with, with some heavy stuff, not simply a, a candy bar, uh, not, not simply a request that he could very easily do on his own. No, David is overwhelmed beyond his capacity. And so he brings that request before the Lord. Surrounded by enemies, he's overwhelmed. He can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so he ask God for deliverance. But if we end the prayer there, what's the focus? The focus is still on the problem. See what trials, what temptations, what Satan wants us to do is for our problems to be magnified. To seem like this is the end of the world, this is everything in my life, this is all I can see. What prayer does is prayer puts our problems, puts our circumstances into perspective so we can see them for what they truly are. Not to celebrate them, not, not to say, oh, it's no big deal. But to acknowledge the hurt, to acknowledge the pain, prayer also... Prayer like Psalm 13 zooms us out beyond that to see there's something beyond the pain. There is something greater than the circumstances I'm facing. What Psalm 13, what prayer invites us to, is as we present our requests to God, it also leads us into praise. Not praise for our circumstances. Notice, David doesn't say, Lord, thank you for these enemies. I just love that I'm surrounded them. I love that they're harassing me. That's not his prayer because that's not true. No, the enemies are sinful. The enemies are evil. The struggles he is facing is a result of sin, and that is never to be celebrated. It is the enemy. He does not rejoice or celebrate in the circumstances. No, he rejoices in the Lord. See, here's how the psalm ends. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. See, this is the opportunity that we have, particularly as New Testament Christians, as those who live after the death and resurrection of Jesus in the midst of whatever we're asking for, we are also invited to praise. Not to praise God for our circumstances, not to praise God for disease, for death, for relationship struggles, for conflict, but to say, God, God, I know you are greater than this. I I know that that there's a story that's so much larger than this chapter I'm living in right now. And, And I know that because of the cross of Jesus Christ where it looked like the story was done, God was simply turning the page. Bringing forgiveness where there was sin. Bringing new life where there was death. Bringing hope where there was despair. See, that's what God has done for you. And and that's why our prayer is invited to turn into, into praise. Praise of a God who is bigger than our circumstances. A God who is faithful even when we are not. A God who overcomes even when we can't see the way out. That's what gives us joy. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Not rejoice in your circumstances, rejoice in your struggles. Rejoice in the Lord because He is greater. He is worthy of praise. Reminded of a time I was at a church event and I wasn't doing anything. It's kind of a weird feeling uh, for, for a church worker. I was, I was at the seminary and I was at a Christmas concert that my fieldwork church was putting on. And so I was, I was uh, sitting in the back, uh, one, of, one of the back rows, uh, like a good Lutheran apparently. Uh, no, it's because everything else was, was full. And uh, the, the Christmas program was, was going on and the choir starts singing this song entitled Is He Worthy? That's the question that the song is asking. Is he worthy? And, and at one point, the, the choral director invites us all to stand. And, and I, I noticed that the gentleman that's sitting in front of me, I kind of I saw him struggle on his way in. He was having mobility problems, but I, I noticed uh, something. He was too proud to ask for help. And so when the conductor asked us, to, to stand up i saw him kind of struggling he was pushing on the pew in front of him and i wanted to to reach out to help him but i knew that that was a bad idea i didn't want to hurt his pride i didn't want to insult someone that i didn't know particularly in the church and so he he began to to get up and he, he eventually he was leaning on the on the pew in front of him but he was fully standing And at this time, the words of the song is getting towards the title, Is He Worthy? Is He Worthy of all honor and blessing and glory and praise? And the music crescendos and the choir sings, He is. He is worthy. And at this point, this proud man who struggled to get up raises his hand in the air and I hear him say, Yes, Lord, you are worthy. Yes, Lord, you are worthy. See, and I, I learned something uh, from that man, from his humility, uh, from him praising God in the midst of what was a tough season in his life, that he is worthy. He is worthy of all blessing and glory and honor and praise. He is worthy. That's why we have joy. And when we pray like that, when when we present our requests, our hurt, our circumstances before the Lord, and that leads us into praising Him for overcoming, for giving us the victory, for being greater. It zooms us out from our circumstances, and and when we say amen, when we leave that prayer, we're going back into the same circumstances, dealing with the same struggles, and yet we now know that there is one who is greater than that. There is one who has won the victory. This is why when we pray, we don't just ask for stuff. Asking for stuff magnifies our problems. No, prayer leads us to praise, which magnifies our God. And when we see how great and big and glorious our God is in his grace, that gives us joy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until he calls you home.